Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. So welcome, Gordon and Georgina. We always love to have an author-agent team, so this is a real pleasure. And Georgina, you have amazing blurbs. Uh, Here's one. Quote, here's a secret. Many authors start out as drama geeks, I certainly did, and later find out that theater skills like deep diving into character and improvising on the fly were essential tools for writing fiction. Georgina Marie's generous, joyful, and oh-so-useful book applies to the principles of improv to writing and through a series of targeted, fun exercises shows writers, both the seasoned and the new, how to unleash their creativity and find their best way. And that's Gail Foreman, New York Times bestselling author. We also have part practical, part playful, part encouraging and affirming Georgina Marie's improv for writing is a certain antidote to writing books and writer's block. This book is a necessary and vital tool for authors and storytellers everywhere. And that's Karma Brown, also a best-selling author. So we are so happy to have you here. We know you do so many amazing things. We can't wait to hear more about how you made this project and how you met. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very, very grateful for your time. And yeah, I love working with Gordon. So I've learned a lot from him. He's great. Yeah, it's been wonderful. And I guess um, folks always like a a good origin story. And and so I'll um, kind of give you the brief background of of how we connected. And long story short, it's the the most regular, boring way that one could connect uh, with with an agent. She submitted to my query inbox and I read her query letter and then read Mm. her proposal and so on and so forth. But it uh, it was one of those that it just jumped out to me right away as far as it being a great idea, a great, great person for this particular book, because that's in nonfiction. It's vital to not just have a great idea. You need to have the, the right person to then write the book. And so all of these things just came together and we, we had a, a great phone call and we really connected as far as our communication and everything like that. And so really, long story short, it's a good testament that the query system works. It can be a bit of a slog sometimes, and oftentimes you don't hear back from agents for a while. We have to read a lot of these and get through them all, but it really is a testament to that being effective and really happy to connect with Georgina and thrilled to to continue working with her books. Do you happen to remember anything about her query that stood out to you? I know it was... Um, it, it was customized. She had looked me up and actually it had um, it came across as uh, she wasn't just firing this out to just a random agent. She had um, looked me up, saw me as a, a good match and uh, wanted to work specifically with me. And that's that's something that really catches my attention as someone who is willing to you know do the extra research and and someone who is looking to have a good, partnership, a good long-term business relationship, rather than just someone who will flip this book and get this one thing published. I'm always looking for folks who will, uh, I can work with 
ideally for the the rest of their career and and it seemed like that's how she was a- approaching it as well so i was just thrilled with that and then again the idea the material and her background and everything it was just kind of a perfect storm that this was a a yes please for me yeah like georgia tell us your side of the story let's hear your side <laughs> it's like the meet cute yeah. um, well i also want to add one of another thing that was really interesting was gordon had told me on our call that He'd had a meeting with his team and had said, like, do we know any authors who do improv, I think, for the San Francisco festival? Um, yeah. yeah. It was like a timing thing, too. He had just been asking, like, right? Yeah, that was uh, it was one of several things, really. It's, it's hard to um, keep track of all of them because uh, and another thing is that when we connected and we started talking, it was just, you know, case after case after case of it. It was like perfect timing or, you know, hey, I was just talking about this or this just came up. And it was it was also serendipitous in addition to being, you know, having all of the the necessary stuff on the page. It it seemed like the universe was uh, was calling out for us to work together as well. So oh. um, you, you can't complain about that as well. That's um, that's always wonderful to have. That's amazing. I mean, you know, like, so when I hear these stories, like, my heart is like, wah, wah. I mean, yeah. it's because I feel like so many times people, you know, Georgina, you've had such a long career before this, too, which I can't wait to dive into. But so many times it really is the right person at the right time with the right book. And that you can be working on this for years, and, but then it'll just click into space, into, into place, which makes it just like feel like the absolutely right decision. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I felt a lot of support from just sort of like another realm on this book. Like just, <clears throat> I think this book was this idea was meant to be shared and that's just what I've been doing. I just, I've been appreciating the help and people have been really supportive and that this even happened in my first book and with my first choice publisher with an excellent agent and, you know, it's, yeah. And people, people blurbing for me and yeah, it's been incredible. I, I, uh, not, not to toot my own horn, but because I'm kind of amazed by this, I got a review for the audiobook, and it, it called me like the cheerleader every writer should have. And I was oh. like, I always wanted to be a yeah. cheerleader. I so oh. a cheerleader. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's another thing as well, is that for, for those who don't know, Georgina is a, a very talented voiceover actress and, and audiobook narrator and has won awards and all the rest of it. And so the audio for this is is tremendous. That's one of my personal treats that I give myself is whenever uh, one of my client's books come uh, finally comes out, I read I read it on audio. I get that that final you know, the voice of the book. And in this case, it was also the voice of, of the author reading her first book. And it, it, the performance was great. It it comes across as very useful in a way that you wouldn't think an, an audiobook writing guide would be. It, it just all works. And so it was, um, it's fantastic. I highly recommend that. Oh, that's that nice so to much. hear. I didn't even know that you that you had listened. See, you put these things out yeah, in the yeah. void and you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Georgina, just reading about you, I'm pretty sure you're a superwoman. Like I was like, what? So tell us how you balance writing, acting, stand up, all your project development and all the other amazing things you're doing. Like tell us what your work life creative balance. 
most of my life, people have told me to just focus on one thing, and I just respond, I can't. <laughs> and, just, and then finally, I stopped like trying. I just realized I don't have to pick. I don't have to decide. And it has been easier when so many other people have come forward where they're writing something and it becomes, or they're, they're a performer and they create something and it becomes popular. Or there's a lot of examples of people writing things for themselves and people who do more than one thing. So it, it definitely, I, I, I'm no longer defensive about it. I'm more celebratory about it because it, it was like, it, it was a bit of a slow burn, but then things really started to like heat up and, and joyfully getting to do this project. And then, and then this project, there was, there was a lot of struggle early on just trying to, I mean, I remember selling albums to get a, a bus ride to a job. Like, <laughs> I mean, like vinyl that I'd adopt, like had found in my apartment in New York City, like to be able to get to work selling these like classic rock albums. <laughs> oh, cool. This is a random bizarre story, but it's like money was never, was not in my realm of things. And so I just... I had the passion and I knew and since I had been pretty little, it had been the struggle of writing or performing because when I, I was always meant to be writing, that was my big dream. And then in seventh grade, I auditioned for the school play and got a really big part and went on stage and had this visceral like when people were laughing, like, what is this <laughs> thing that is my whole I mean, even remembering it, my whole body is like tingling because I had not known what it would be like to stand in front of a room full of people and them laughing at something you did or a, and I just I knew it was like dangerous too in the sense of well there goes writing but I can't ignore this thing that just happened and it was always a struggle and now I think I think about when you asked that question I I thought about Elizabeth Gilbert and her section in her book, Big Magic, about ideas and how it's a beautiful book. So I think if anybody hasn't listened to that and she narrates it wonderfully, she talks about she talks about ideas and how if we're not paying attention to them, they'll go somewhere else. And so I really try to pay attention to when when something's pushing at me, that's how I focus on that thing. I, I, you know, tried like, oh, Tuesdays, I'll write my historic project and Wednesdays, I'll do bubble chicken. And and now I'm just like, well, I, I, I'm just I have no answer. I That's the closest thing to like following something that that I do. And then deadlines help. Like I'm writing on a couple of shows now, a couple of TV cartoons. And so somebody's telling me <laughs> there's no like, oh, maybe I'll just follow this idea. It's like, no, you want to do the job just get get it in by the deadline. And I do love deadlines. Well, I love you talking about all of this because as someone who's both an agent and I run the Academy with Julie, a lot of people, their first question was, which one are you going to choose? And I don't understand why so many people want everyone to do just one thing. I don't know if it's easier to put them mentally in a box or something, but it seems like, do you, do you have a theory about why humans are more comfortable with people who focus on one thing? Well, it seems like, well, that's the thing you do. Like if Gordon was like, oh, I'm also a chef, which I think he kind of is. But, <laughs> but people, but yeah, but people would be, I think people would maybe take 
less seriously. I don't, you know, I, I think that's kind of what happens. And I think I do, I think I do bump up against that. And so, but I just always try to do my best work. It's like, I, I know that happens. It's like, how do I, how do, but fortunately, a lot of these things, a lot of these things really go together. Like I'm not doing, I'm not, I mean, guys, I don't know if you know this, but I am a bit of a rocket scientist. And I put that on hold. Um, I'm like, that'll really scare people. That's so funny. Have your friends had an intervention on this? Because my friends had an intervention on me. Like, can we just talk about you? And, you know, and, and, the, and the, the, the doing like five businesses and teaching and writing and doing all that. Like, have you had that in your life for family members or... Is that something that you've dealt with or do they just kind of just feel like, oh, that's just, that's just uh, Georgina, you know? I I have always dealt with that. And the first was with my dad. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was... I, I was the I was the kid. My, my best friend and I would would join every club we could, and we'd show up like once and be like, "We're in the photo club." Well, photo club. Was, I was serious about that, but like, we're in the chess club. I don't know how to play chess. We're in the chess club, and we're in the yearbook picture. And there's like a year where you look in our yearbook picture, and we're in every club. We're in every photo, just because we were like that was our mischievousness, I guess. But I really was trying a lot of different things, and seriously, photography, writing, performing, a lot of art things, and. My dad said, you know, too many sticks in the fire, you're going to get burned. And mm-hmm. and it really stuck with me for a long time. And it bothered me. And I had, you know, and I had other people telling me similar things. And then I realized one day I was like, yeah, but sticks in the fire, that's how you stay warm. And that's what, yeah, I've, yeah. Gone that's what I've gone with. I let that voice go that that was a problem. And I just celebrate. And I think when things start to happen and you 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 are doing things in the world and you're proud of what you're doing or at least you know having having fun doing it and somebody's like giving you a little bit of dough and you're surviving then nobody's really nobody's really trying to stop you at that point because you you're you've got momentum and you've and I and I had decided no I guess this is just how it is I've made peace with it mm. well, I think just by by having this conversation I think a lot of people are going to feel validated that that we all don't need to be the same. And I think as we look at you know all diversity in this country, the diversity of how we make a living and how we decide to live our lives is often really different from our grandparents and our parents. And, and it's okay. And like, obviously you're kind of a badass. So I'm like just super pleased to, you know, be hearing that from you. <laughs> Thanks. So let's talk about your book. It's called Improv yeah. for Writers. And secrets to help novelists and screenwriters bypass writer's block and generate infinite ideas. So can you tell us about the inspiration behind this book? And have you heard any success stories? Uh, yes. And I, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that I thought of that I wanted to share is actually kind of an interesting in the process sort of thing that had happened. Another Gordon and was mentioning the synchronicity around the book and and us working together, but it also happened with the editor. Now, I had done a proposal for for the book, and the one that I initially sent to Gordon was half the book, and I had just, like, started sending that out. Or maybe, I'm trying to remember the timing of it, but basically, when I started, like, querying, and I also, you know, was like, didn't beginners luck where you don't know the rules and you're not supposed to send to publishers and I had decided I would send to them at the same time and I had gotten I had gotten some interest 
But Lisa Westmoreland, who ended up editing this book and just amazing, she wrote me and she said, oh, these ten and a half rules of improv, these these secrets to help novelists and screenwriters bypass, you know, do all these wonderful, magical things. Like, that's that's interesting. But I was wondering, do you do you have anything about, like, how improv can help certain aspects of storytelling, like dialogue or character? And I just froze at my desk when I read the what she had asked for because I had cut that out of the proposal. Oh. I, I had cut half of the proposal off because I thought I just didn't I was like not really following my own, you know, one of the rules is to trust. And I, I didn't trust that I would be the person to get to talk about that. And so I decided I'll just stick with the ten and a half rules. And and uh, so when she wrote that, I I was freaked out. I thought, oh, this is this is it. She's gonna she's gonna be so happy because I was able to send it immediately. Yeah, I have it. It's done. Like here's here's all the chapters what they would be, and I think that's really great because in teaching and doing workshops, a lot of the a lot of the feedback and the breakthroughs that people have shared with me have come because of those parts of the book. Like Mm -hmm. they've struggled with the ending, they've struggled with their antagonist, and I have games for all of those different things. So if we're weaker in one area, there's games to play to strengthen. And I've even been doing them, I mean, you would hope, but like, I I mean, I still do them because they're, they're salt. Like these are fun. These games have been around so long, but performers have been just running away, having all the fun and writers (laughs) who don't want to go on stage. They don't know that they could be having this kind of fun. And yeah, so it's been that it's been kind of incredible to get the responses from people and see how it's affected them. It's so fun. So Gordon, like, so when you are going through this book, how do you see this helping when you're a writer? So, you know, a very green writer comes, you recommend this book. What What is your vision for that that writer? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the, the best things about this book in particular is that in addition to, you know, any one specific area that they might need help with, it's just a, a general practice of getting outside of yourself and getting out of your own way and just sort of trusting your own process and your your own ability as a writer and it has you know plenty of ways to do that and that's one of the things that i've found is um that writers tend to do best if they don't compartmentalize themselves so much if they do you know, look to whether it's other genres or other types of writing or even other artistic disciplines. It's um, it's necessary to stretch your creative muscles in different ways, and you ultimately then can become a better writer. And so, it's it's kind of a um, it's a it's a philosophical approach to the craft of writing, in addition to fixing any particular uh, specific issues you might have. So, yeah, I just uh, I, I see it doing a lot of good. That was so well said. <laughs> Thank you. That's uh, it, it, there's a lot to work with. I mean, it's as as you all know, having read the book, there's uh, there's a lot to to take away, and I've I've noticed just working with authors that you don't want to get laser focused on doing just one project, or you might burn out, or you you don't want to, you know, all these kind of things that. That, you know, you need to stay creatively limber, and yeah. this is a great way to do that. 
Yeah, that's what I, that's, yeah, when you said even other creative pursuits, it's like, oh, it's just even like handcrafts or like a guitar or whatever people do, whatever, you know, gardening, like anything like where you're color, there's color and, 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 and if you're a tactile person, you're doing tactile things and knowing yourself and then exploring into these different things and maybe discovering, oh, I didn't know I liked, I like the feel of fabric or I like, and trying these different things. I mean, I, I think that is that is sort of the gift of improv is, yeah. let's see. Yeah. And it also, you know, another thing as well is um, with just the process of publishing and all of the, the hoops that you have to jump through and, and the, the waiting and the, the waiting and the waiting and the waiting mm-hmm. for everybody to do their job and, and for everything to come together. It is really important, I think, for writers to be able to do other things where they can experience more immediate gratification and see results in what they do. So whether it is, you know, whether it is gardening and, and, and you see something grow or it's going on stage and you tell a joke that immediately gets a laugh or just whatever the case may be, it's a good, good antidote to a lot of the, the natural psychological shortcomings of the, the writing and publishing process. It, it really helps the, the, the writer in their own mental well-being overall. Well, I think that the teacher in me really sees this as, you know, another important space for this is, you know, the high schools. You know, I think grading is taught in such a serious manner and it's, you know, you're going to sit down, you're going to write this essay and you're going to dive into this character study, you know, this, but like kids, especially, you know, beyond writers, but like going back to how we teach children, this would be an amazing tool for teachers. I'm not sure if you guys have explored that or if it's hit the school and library market, but you know, what a gift this is to teachers that really need to get those kids moving. Hopefully not without masks on soon, but really, really great resource for them. Well, it's interesting that you say that because that is the answer to, I think, your first question, which is where did this book come from? And mm-hmm. this book came from my years of teaching kids mm-hmm. and teaching them improv. And one thing that I noticed was the things that my students struggled with and the things that I personally struggled with when I'd go out on stage and perform were the same things. They were the same things in improv so that were happening in my personal life. So that was really interesting. For for example, for me, like I, I wasn't really listening. Like sometimes I'd just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I would do that on stage too. And that's a really important part of improv is the listening aspect. And even as a writer, listening to your characters, listening to the sound of silence and making space for the next thing to come in that is a really important part of it but it's the, it's the that experience of working with kids and just the the fun of it but also the lessons in teaching that came to me about how malleable improv was and mm-hmm. i think these are also philosophies for life and that was a book that i was working on sort of at the same time as improv for writers it was like how these rules can like help you with your life and that's why i know that yeah kids and teens, they respond very, very well to improv. It's like a fish in water. 
because they're so creative and they don't they don't have that judgment that we start to get later in life like as an adult i mean even just even as a late teenager we start to doubt like oh should i do this but when you're in that space especially when you're a little kid you're just like no i'm the princess get out of it and you're like running and you're in this whole story you've created and there's no doubt in your mind you're fully committed you're and it's glorious and I think hanging on to that and finding that or finding that again as a, as a writer, even just as a human being is so it's, it's great. You know, when you say that, one of the things that came to me was that so much, so much in improv, the funniness is in, is in the gap or the quietness that can come when, when a sketch is, is happening. And I don't think we ever talk about that as writers about, about I, I, as much as we should about the unsaid or about when you shouldn't respond and how much power that can be in writing. Super interesting. Yeah, Have for you, sure. I was just talking about this. I, it's not in the book, but there's a scene there's a there's a game in improv. It's it's kind of extra, it's kind of an exercise, but I just loved playing this. So you have two people on stage, and one person one person has to talk. You set a timer for for two minutes. One person has to talk nonstop, and this is like a real scene, like a slice of light, like something you'd see in the real world. So it's like grounded. One person's talking for two full minutes, and the other person is not saying a word, but they're in it. So maybe they're responding trying to respond, can't respond. And then you switch and that person that wasn't talking at all is talking for two full minutes in a new scene. So as a as a as an actor, as a human being, you're practicing the skill of nonstop coming up with ideas, you know, keeping your mouth moving, keeping something real coming out, you know, kind of like what I'm doing right now. And then <laughs> and then you're also practicing hearing whatever anybody's going to say. Hmm. And they're like fascinating, that. you know, to watch them. They're fascinating. Kind of like they're filibustering almost. <laughs> it really, in my experience, it really comes across in, in writing as well. And that you have to you have to get just the, the right words on the page. It's not just filling up the page or, or what have you. There are, you can really tell when an author has put that kind of care into not just the, the words, but the white space and the pauses and the, the flow of the language and so forth. Um, my, my mind immediately jumps to my client, Mari Naomi, who's a graphic novelist who I, I like to say every line that she draws elicits an emotion. Mm. And so it's, it's just what you need on the page to bring across uh, what she's trying to bring across and, and with no excess. And it's just so powerful. And so that's, that's the kind of thing that, that I really like to see in, in writing as well. And there's so much here. How in the world did you get this into a streamlined query letter and a streamlined proposal? Can you talk a little bit about your book proposal process? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I because publishing was something that I was green, I sort of looked at it like, we'll get great people, work with great people. So I I uh, hired a company to edit my proposal, which I had been working on for years. I had originally been working on this, you know, improv for life book and had sent out some queries and got some interest. And this was years ago. And then the interest sort of scared me in a sense. But there was something inside of me that said, you're not ready to write this book yet. And 
And then my whole life, like, I kind of fell apart and like really intense things happened. And I lived through all of this stuff and became stronger and, and realized, oh, my life wasn't falling apart. I was just had that growth, had a growth spurt. Mm -hmm. And in that growth spurt, I realized like, I want to take this seriously, went to a writing conference, found KN Literary at a Hay House conference. And Kelly Nataris runs that. And they had an editor there, Chandika, who we we worked together on it. I'd I'd send all of the stuff to her and we'd kind of go back and forth. So I worked on that. I don't know how long for a year with, with her on that. And then got this document that I, you know, she helped me understand. I did all this research on comparable books and spent so much time at the bookstore and the library just researching the area. Is there anything like this? Oh, I thought maybe I'd like to make a flip book where where you 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 look up one section and there's a character and and then I saw there's one kind of already like that. So I did I just did all this. I did a lot of research and I got somebody really great to edit and cuz editing is so important what Gordon was just talking about about the craft. It's such an important part of writing and it's a very small section of the book because my I see my job is like freeing things up, getting them going. Editing is a whole other job. It's sitting down and really, it's a whole other thing. You don't want to be editing while you're, I mean, people, everybody works differently, but I don't want to be editing my thoughts while I'm doing it. I want to get that first draft done. I want to get those words down on the page. I want to play the game with total commitment and no judgment. So I don't want to be looking at it going, does that work? I want that just out and down. And then I can look at it later when I put on that hat and, and kind of do that. So we, we got that proposal together and I told all my actor friends, I said, guys, it's like, cause they're like, how'd you get a book published? I was like, guys, it's like getting a really good headshot. You don't shoot them yourselves. You go find somebody who knows how to do it and you work with them. <laughs> I like that. Though so, things oh. are getting better with those uh, remote control selfie <laughs> situations. <laughs> well, maybe now, maybe now. <laughs> As a follow-up, I mean, we've heard a lot at the Manuscript Academy, like, do you need help? Do you need an editor? Do you need, you know, support around your writing? And we always say to people, you know, you're welcome to just query. Are you welcome to, you know, like be part of the process any way that you want to be. But what I've heard you say that I think is really interesting, like like you've isolated what you're really, really good at. And after you isolated that, you actually looked and said, how can I get support? Here it is. And then you went through that path. And I think for all of us, and, and I don't know this about you, Georgina, but like, I bet you have so many ideas all the time that it must be sometimes overwhelming. And the fact that you went a route with support, I think is incredibly smart and trusting and, and really a great way to go. Did you ever think of going on it like alone without that editor or without that support? I mean, yeah, I, well, actually, I'm glad you asked that because I completely forgot how, like, even the very seed of this, which was, I was at Comic-Con <laughs> and I was with a I was with a group of people and and my husband and we went we were at this table and this woman was like, "Oh yeah, we're Scriptwriters Network. We we take we invite, you know, people to come in and lecture to our organization. We're a nonprofit." 
Melissa, she's amazing. And she was asking us, you know, are any of you teachers? And two of the three of us were. And she ended up asking the other guy to to do a panel. And she 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 said, what would you teach? You know, and I was like, well, I'm, I mean, I've mainly been teaching improv, but, you know, I bet I could I bet I could talk to your writers about how, how improv could help them. And she said, that sounds really interesting. So we set up this we set up this me teaching a workshop at through with Scriptwriters Network at CBS Radford. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's gonna be people there. And when you speak, you're supposed to have a book to sell at the back of the room. I better get cracking. So <laughs> I whipped out a first draft for this book. <laughs> like I whipped it out. I had a few months, but I I wrote a first draft of this. And a friend of mine wanted to be an editor that I knew at Penguin Random House. And she's darling. And she was at the time, you know, working in reception and we'd become friends. And I said, hey, would you just take a look at this? And she did. And she sat me down and she said, this isn't really ready for, because I was like, I'm going to self-publish it. And she was like, "Uh, this isn't really ready for, for publication. You have a really clear voice, you know, and she'd gone through it and like all these different things. And I was like, oh, but I took. I'm so glad I took her advice. Advice, and I didn't plow forward. That I, re, I that I listened to her. That it wasn't ready. Because in that time, I thought to myself, Well, I do know some people in publishing. I mean, I work in audio publishing for years. I've narrated, I don't know how many books, and maybe maybe somebody will publish this. And that's how that happened. The internet so, says you've been the star of more than 300 audiobooks. I know. I was like, yeah, we have that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I usually read those books twice. A lot of those are are twice read. So is that how it works? You read it through twice and they keep the best version? Well, I read it to prep it. Mm. Oh my God, if we recorded it twice every time, I would lose my mind. I, I had a nightmare before my first audiobook recording that that was like how it was going to go, that I was going to get direction on every line. I woke up like sweating and oh, I no. went to the studio and it was like I started talking and nobody stopped me for a while. And it was like, oh, I can do this. So what does it look like? I've always been curious what audiobook recordings actually look like. So it's not somebody in their closet alone, except maybe right now. It's generally like a full studio and everyone's there, right? Yeah, the, well, it depends on the on the project, and it's usually at least there's there's usually the narrator and then the director and maybe an engineer. So there'll be those three people, and sometimes when it's like kind of a high profile book, a producer might step in. Like at Penguin Random House, they're down the hall, so they might step in, and so sometimes there might be there could be four people there, but it's it tends to just be two. And then I work at home in the room that I'm in right now. It's a recording booth specifically for for that purpose. And I, I spend a lot of time in this. I should put up some pictures. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to see pictures. <laughs> <laughs> How does reading stories aloud help you as a storyteller? Well, I've heard a lot, you know, as a writer, you should be reading a lot. And so I do for for myself and just curiosity and constantly wanting to learn. But then for for work, I get to read a lot of YA, and I do a lot of YA, a little bit of nonfiction, but seeing how best-selling authors do it, seeing how debut authors do it, and spending weeks on these books, you know, because I might be able to read a book in a day, 
two days, three days, depending on the length of it. But I can't, I can't usually record a book in a day unless I'm only doing half of it, half point of view. And even then, that's usually for a novel, that's usually a couple of days of work anyway, because there are mistakes and you have to take bre- breaks and you make a sound or you rustle and you've got to redo, you've got to redo that. But all of that time, all of that time spent on those words is time in that world. And when you're outside of this world and you're in a world created by somebody else, I think you're always learning like, oh, mm-hmm. look how they built this world. Look at all these things you can see in this world. Because when I'm narrating, I'm, 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 I'm acting. So I'm as an actor. Like when you do theater, you there's not a, that fourth wall in front of you. You sort of fill that in with the rest of the world, and that's what you do as a narrator too. Like I'm not actually in a booth with soundproofing, and I'm in um, I'm in San Francisco on the beach, like in mm-hmm. Nina Lacour's mm-hmm. book or. People who write like that, where it's just you just get lost in what they do. It's elevating. So it's like you just learn. I think you you learn a lot. Plus, it's very therapeutic. I don't it's kind of a weird thing to say about it. But I've worked through quarantine, a couple of books, and it's just it's I'm so grateful to be able to go in and just disappear and work in inside art. Yeah, creativity during COVID, that's a, it's, it's quite a tall order. And, you know, something that we all have to recognize first and foremost, that we need to function as people before we can function as creatives. And so self-care is very important and uh, your own mental state is very important. And you shouldn't sacrifice either of those for the, the sake of, of creativity. And it's it's okay. I know some folks who are getting a lot of work done right now, and I know some folks who are not. And neither is an incorrect answer, right? So if if this is a, a kind of situation where you're, you can hole up and, and just lose yourself in the work, and that could be your therapy, and, and that's how you get through this, fine. If you need to, you know, take a step back from churning out products, so to speak, you shouldn't feel that pressure. It's, um, you know, ultimately you need to feel like you're putting out your best work and you need to feel confident in the work and yourself and you need to enjoy it. It's a, a common thing that that I end up saying at, uh, at writers' conferences is, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with writing for fun, too. Like, everyone mm-hmm. everyone comes to me because, yes, they want the book deal and they want all of the, the professional stuff that comes with it. But at, at the very core of, of, um, of this, you know, writing as a, a profession should be the joy of creation. And if, if you're not feeling that joy right now, then that's fine. You can, um, you don't have to you don't have to necessarily push through it unless you are on deadline and you do need to turn something in, but take care of yourself first and, um, you know, make sure that, that your mental state is where it should be. And, um, and from there, just find out how best you work and, and go from there. You know, I, I like to be very, um, very forgiving and and very understanding in, in these extraordinary times. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day that, the people are more important than the art. 
That's such a lovely thing to say. I think a lot of writers worry that agents have the opposite perspective. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad they get to hear from a real life agent that it is really about the person and the relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, Gordon is a special, he's a special agent too, I think. So (laughs) maybe there are some that are pushing hard, but I I think that was beautiful. And it made me think about how there's, you know, people talk about writer's block and my book is supposed to be like, not supposed to be, but it is a, it's an alternative to, it's, you're coming at it from another angle is what a lot of people have told me. It's like, oh, I didn't even, you got me going and how'd you do that? Like, I didn't even, and, um, cause you're, it's kind of like bypassing circuits. You're doing something in such a new way in such a fun way that you didn't, then you suddenly you have all these pages written. You're like, wow. And you discover this whole other thing or didn't know you could write a poem like that or didn't know you could write a character like that. All these things that people have been doing from it. But when people talk about writer's block and ask me about that, because I don't, I don't believe in it as this, like, I, I know it exists, but I think that because it's not something I've dealt with and people who do improv, they don't get stuck like that because they're constantly moving these, these sorts of things. But I think writer's block can be called writer's block when in actuality, it's just a cycle of what we need, which is sometimes to take time and just be and restore. And I think that so we don't need to be producing in every moment and we don't have to call it, oh, I'm, we don't have to say, oh, I've got this thing pushing down on me. I'm blocked. We can just surrender and say, this is a cycle of just being and getting back to myself or, f- f- and you know, appreciating the things that are important to me and, and being, like Gordon said so eloquently, being a person and taking care of that person. Yeah. It's it's really, really important. Can you talk a little about what you think are the most important elements of a good author-agent relationship? I'll just pipe in real quick and, and just say, like, hearing back, like, with, like, so just these beautiful emails that Gordon writes, like, so quickly. And it's not even necessarily about, like, the time, but, like, he's... He, he just, I ask a question and he gives me more than I knew that I was asking about. Like he explained, he's explained a lot of things to me and maybe knowingly because I've, this is a new world for me, but I'm just so grateful for like, I can look back and be like, oh yeah, he answered that. He answered that very thoroughly. Like there it is. And it's so nice to like, just feel like you're working with somebody and you're a team. Yeah, I absolutely. Communication is one of the, the most important, if not the most important parts of the author-agent relationship. You need to be able to communicate well, be on the same page. You need to trust each other and what they're doing, and you need to respect each other's expertise. And and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to school Georgina on on how to talk about improv, for example. And and likewise, she's going to allow me to do my job, and we're going to. We're going to talk and make sure that that we're both working toward a common goal, and and we we're going to have an outcome that we can all be proud of, and and just you know making sure that we can we can communicate and we can work as a team. It, it really is a, a team atmosphere rather than 
you know, hiring someone to do a certain service, for example. It's it's a, a bit more involved than that. You need to be able to communicate about things that are hard to describe sometimes, yeah. right? So you need to know that if you say something with the right tone and the right passion and the right suggestions, that you're going to somehow be able to transmit that idea to Georgina. And she'll be like, yes, I know what you yeah. mean, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's like, I didn't even think about that because that never comes up. Like, I wonder what he meant. It's like, it's a very clear, I never think like that with any, any of his emails or it's like, it's always just been, and I've really appreciated that. It's so important because writing is communication. And if the person who is working with you on your writing career, there's a, an issue there, they're not getting back to you or you're, you leave that conversation or that message going, what? That's, I mean, I, I'm so grateful that I'm not in that situation. Yeah, and it, it's really an environment of if there's anything that's unclear or if you have any questions, you know, don't be shy on either end. If I have a question for Georgina, I'm not shy about asking her. And likewise, she shouldn't feel like she's she's bugging me if I, I didn't explain something thoroughly or, or what have you. It really is in, in everyone's best interest to just be open and honest and, and communicate and and you know that's how we can really make this happen that's how the magic works yeah and you want to make sure that you're in a relationship where you can keep asking questions until you understand and not be afraid to do so yeah absolutely i mean none, none of us want to do this begrudgingly we want to be thrilled and happy and excited about what we're doing and and mm -hmm. that's that's really um what we all go for so what's something for each of you that you wish writers knew about from your side of the desk? I always like to break down that weird preconceived notion that agents are, are somehow on a higher plane or, you know, in an ivory tower, what have you. Like it all just, it seems like madness, really. Like we're, we're all just, we're people. We have all the, the same, same issues of day-to-day of -day life that you do. We want to work with you. That's another thing is, you know, agents want to work with writers. That's, that's, how, that's how we make our living. That's our chosen profession. This is, this is not a job that you do if you don't like it, right? It's a, a long buildup into establishing yourself as an agent and, and being successful and being able to live off of your work. It takes quite some time to, to get to that point. And so there's... I, I doubt that there is an agent in the business that doesn't like what they do and doesn't want to work with writers. And so, you know, throw out any idea of an agent being irritated because you're sending them a query letter or anything like that. I mean, this is their, they want to connect with writers and they want to, you know, help create books. That's so positive. How nice. Yeah. Like, makes you want to write a query. <laughs> And who wants to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess for I guess for me, I I kind of want to kind of I want to combine my answer with a question earlier about like how I've been dealing with like this time, and you know with with improv and doing so much of it, and the way I've sort of set up my life, it's very unstructured. There's a lot of running around. It's a lot of actually just reactiveness. It's like, oh, you've got to be here for this thing at this time. Get there. 
And it's like, you mean in 10 minutes? Okay. <laughs> Across the 405? Like, oh my gosh. There's a, there's a lot of like that kind of stuff in my, in my schedule, a lot of surprise and unexpectedness. And it's, it can be great, but it can also be like, I don't tend to make a ton of plans with people. And that has become really important to me to start adding structure in and making plans to spend time with the people I care about, whether it's a phone call with them now or making plans to actually see them and celebrate and them and see how they are and kind of just be there. And so in addition to the structure that I've been putting in place for that's very important to me to, to focus on moving forward with my life and any any opportunity to do that. I, I want to take more seriously and, and less, oh, I could see them anytime, you know, how we've realized the things that they just, they're, there's meaning now when maybe before we took things for granted, health or all the things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things in addition to that has been, I've added structure, I've been writing every day. And there, I've been the person who's like big spurts, deadlines, putting things off, I found a real joy in getting up, a little meditation, sitting down and writing. And it's unlike anything I've ever felt before because it's there's a consistency to it. And even if it's I don't I haven't put any parameters on time length or anything and maybe it's just a chapter, or maybe it's this whole section, or maybe I'm just I'm, but I'm sitting, I'm sitting down and I'm doing it. And if not in the morning at some time throughout the day, but most, mostly those, that morning time has become really special because I didn't know the power of having a ritual like that. And that's been really, really, just really good for me, but also like there's been a unique appreciation of like what Gordon was talking about earlier. Like I'm having fun. I'm, I'm like, who knew like writing, like I'm, and I enjoyed writing improv for writers too. Like that was, that was like, whew, all these things in my head, like getting them down was like, like kind of freeing in a way. And, and in this way and working in a, on a fiction project, like it's just discovery. And like, I have no, I don't know what I'm doing with this. I don't know if anybody's ever going to see it. And it's almost more freeing to be like, I don't know, I might be working on this for five years. I'm taking all the pressure off for what this particular thing is going to be and just showing up and seeing. That's awesome. Such a pleasure. This has been such a pleasure. I'm going back to the improv and we'd like to give away three of your books (gasps) to our listeners. Uh, but I don't want to just give them away because that's boring. Um, so <laughs> Make can you give us, it. yes. So give us a, like, give us a special code word that if they email us the first few levels to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com, they email us the code word you give us. We will send them your book. Bubble chicken. <laughs> Bubble chicken. <laughs> my little friend. Yeah. So, yeah, so, it, so out there, bubble chicken, code word, the only bubble chicken code word we've ever had at the Manuscript Academy. So yeah, just we're some decline of to, bubble chicken will totally suffice. So. And I actually hope that it takes a while. And so some like bad day, I'll just be like, you guys, who, who didn't put away the dishes? Like, blah, blah, blah. like I'm, I've been in a bad kind of like parental space. Yeah. And then I'll just go and I'll be like, bubble chicken. And I'll be like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bubble chicken loves you, so let me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Thank you so much for doing this. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.